0: Hi, I'm Chris Schultz. I'm Daniel Torres. Welcome to the Making Forward podcast. All right, hello again, and welcome back to Making Forward. This is our second episode. How are you doing today, Chris?
1: I'm doing well, and yourself?
0: Oh, I am doing amazingly great. I, I'm so excited. This is our second episode.
1: I've been looking forward to it all weekend.
0: Let's uh, let's just dive straight in. Last episode, it was kind of the introduction of, you know, what is a maker, what is the maker movement, what are maker spaces, and hopefully, our listeners are now inspired to actually make something and learn something new. Well, today's episode is going to be more of a cautious hold on a minute. We know you're excited and great. You're excited. But there's also some safety involved in making this. In fact, we should probably put a warning label on this episode.
1: I kind of feel like this episode is the warning label.
0: So, first off, I guess we should answer the question, you know, why is safety important?
1: Because we want to keep doing this and not hurt ourselves. Exactly.
0: I, I can... Mainly, speak in uh, woodworking terms, but especially in woodworking, if you start with ten fingers, you want to finish with ten fingers.
1: Yeah, welding, it's don't electrocute yourself. Woodworking, you want to keep all your digits. And machine shop, it's don't kill yourself.
0: Yes, so safety is obviously, it's a universal thing that a lot of people, if not all people, should consider and mostly do. When it comes to either the work environment or the maker environment in particular of what we're going to be focusing on today.
1: So while you while you try to compose your thoughts, we'll, we'll talk about anecdotal safety issues. Uh, two weeks ago, I did a metal casting demonstration at one of the spaces. And I made a point to make it a participation event. I handled most of the safety. I had a fellow person who had been helping me do the metal casting, so I had a second quote-unquote expert with me to supervise everything, and the participation was the safe events, Putting the metal into the crucible and being the assistant in pouring, because it takes two people to manipulate the crucible. So one's controlling it and the other's just kind of helping. So safety there was kind of easy to manage with two people watching the thing. But you have to keep in mind, you're dealing with molted metal, in this case, copper. And that that's like 1,200 degrees Celsius metal. If you get that on you, you're going to have a bad day. In fact, just being close to that, you're going to have a bad day. I, I just watched uh, one of the Star Wars movies, and they had the con- production facility, and they had the, the hot glowing steel, and they're walking right next to it, and I'm going, yeah, no, no. This is where safety is important and understanding reality versus what you see in movies. Those plates of hot steel, just being within a foot of them, you can burn yourself. So like when we're pouring the metal, people are going, oh my goodness, I'm standing like three feet away and I can still feel the heat coming off of all that. Yes, this is why safety is important. And going back to the metal casting on things you should think about with safety. When other people are involved, walk through the process cold. If it's woodworking, have all the equipment off and go through the process without the tool on to see where your hands move, to see how things interact, to see how your partner and you work together. You may think you know what your partner's going to do, but they might think the same thing about you and you have two different things on your mind. And when you go to do it, you're gonna be doing something different and you do not want to discover that miscommunication while you're trying to move 12,000 degree metal. Uh, so going through the process cold is a great way to have the safety conversations, to actually physically do the maneuvers when, when there is no danger present. And sometimes by doing the process cold, you might even discover dangers that you didn't even think about. Even if you're doing a project solo, if you do the project solo, I even recommend doing the same thing, acting like there is another person and walking them through the process because one, it puts you in that mindset of thinking about safety. And again, walking through the process cold, you might go to do something and go, oh crap, I forgot to think about that. And again, it's good to do that while everything's cold as opposed to when the machines are moving you're on that timeline and you're more focused on getting the thing done as opposed to looking for potential dangers.
0: Exactly. And uh, more on that note, as far as having somebody else with you, if that is possible, definitely have someone with you. Two set of eyes is a lot better than one. But if you have no other choice, but to be alone, make sure that the work you're doing is, it's a one person job. And if it is more than a one-person job, just don't do it that day. That's ultimately the first and foremost one of the biggest safety tips we could possibly give on this show is you know always have somebody with you.
1: I even recommend if you, even if you think you can do it alone, the first time you do it, it's always good to have someone there just in case you, you realize, oh no, I, this is a two-person job and now I am over my head. It's why it took me so long to actually do a metal cast. I had all the equipment, but I I was struggling to get a second person involved because everyone was busy. And it was like, I think I can do this on my own, but this is handling 1200 degree metal. And if it goes bad, it can go bad fast. And I want someone there in case it does go bad. And that's when my buddy's like, I'll, I'll, I'll be your second. And we've been moving forward since
0: then. Exactly, and that that's a perfect example Another thing that I want to uh, stress on As far as safety goes in any scenario Make sure you're in the right headspace Definitely make sure that you're clear of mind All you're concentrating on is the next set of actions That you need to do in order to get what you want to get done Done safely and correctly
1: your your first priority should be your safety. The second thing should be the safety of your equipment and the third thing should be the safety of your piece. But you your safety should always be first. And when you're in the wrong headspace you can get it in the wrong order.
0: Exactly. A good example of it would be uh you know whenever I'm doing uh, something in the wood shop, I and I'm dealing with a lot of tools that it does it mainly used to cut wood but really does not care what material it cuts through it will cut through any anything if you put it through it that includes skin and bone so i always make sure okay i have my piece i'm approaching you know for example we'll say the miter saw all right i have my piece i measured what cut i want let me without turning on the saw, bring it down, see, okay, yes, that is where I want to cut it, brace the piece so that it is secured, make sure that I'm clear of everything around me, and then I just exhale, engage the saw, turn it on using the handle, push down, make the cut, take my hand off of the trigger, not off the saw, wait for the saw to die down for the blade to stop spinning, and then lift back up. It's a lot more steps involved and it's it's faster in practice than it is in instruction but it is the safest way that i am able to make a cut and make sure that i don't have any injuries while doing it
1: the, the key things on safety and again being in the right mindset in the right headspace is pretty much the biggest thing you can do because most accidents happen because someone was in a hurry and sometimes it happened because they are being too proud if you need to get help, get help. If you need to use cheating pieces, use cheating pieces. If people laugh at you because you're using the gripper to cut the piece, let them make fun of you because it's better that they make fun of you that you're using the gripper than them making fun of you because you're now a tin-toed
0: jack. Right, and frankly, there really isn't, should not be any shame of using a, a gripper or a push stick or any any other piece that is not part of your own body to either hold down the piece or move the piece push the piece any way you want it to in order to get the cut or the bead or any other kind of uh, result you want
1: and and a good reminder on safety is next time you're in your wood shop look at the push sticks You'll, you'll notice a lot of the push sticks have some damage to them And most of them, if you're using the push sticks right, shouldn't get damaged, yet you'll notice they get damaged quite a lot. So you you should think about that when you're thinking about using your hands instead of the push stick.
0: Exactly. In fact, uh, mainly a push stick You would be used in case... If you're a woodworker, people would know that a push stick is used for a table saw. If you're not a woodworker, if you're thinking about woodworking, a push stick is typically used for a, a table saw. It could be used for... Something else like a router table, th- those would be more like push sticks specifically designed for something like that. A push stick is typically used for a table saw. I have on my screen right now a statistic done. It was about 10 years ago, so it is, it is an old statistic. Somebody might correct me on this, but I think this was before SawStop became a thing, or at least became uh, widely popular the table saw estimated annual injuries in the year 2011 was 39,750 that that's the estimated amount of injuries in that year for just the table saw and that's including nicks cuts lacerate like full on amputations of fingers
1: well and one thing to keep in mind especially like with the table saw is a lot of people You really should ask yourself, what can go wrong? Because a lot of people go, oh, you know, you need to worry about your fingers. Well, what about the kickback? Because if that blade binds, it can shoot the piece back at you like a missile. Exactly. And if anyone hasn't seen one of those demonstrations where they put like a big heavy mat and cause a kickback and see what type of damage a kickback can do, I highly recommend looking at
0: that. Exactly. And kind of the Spark Notes version of what a kickback is, you're pushing a piece of wood through the spinning saw, which is inside the table, and it's peeking out just a little bit so that you can make the cut. The kickback comes to when the wood binds, and binding is essentially when... The wood is being pushed through the saw blade, and it starts to make contact with the saw blade in the back. So, when the wood that's already being cut makes contact with the saw blade, which is rotating towards you, hit the back teeth, that's when the wood starts to bind, and it immediately will shoot right back at you. And that thing is not going slow. It is going pretty much at the speed of a torpedo. You can easily
1: get impaled by it.
0: The table saw is a very dangerous tool. In fact, that's actually arguably the most dangerous tool, at least in the woodworking realm. But it is also the most essential as far as what it can do for you. So that's why the table saw is the centerpiece for almost all woodworking shops. It makes... A lot of cuts that are very handy for carpenters, for weekend woodworkers, is very essential. It's just, it's also very dangerous. And as long as you know that danger exists and you take the proper precautions about it, then the table saw will be your friend and actually work with you. And I think you just touched on the main, the main points of safety. It's not, oh my god,
1: it's dangerous, don't go near it. It's know the dangers, be able to assess the risks, and know how to deal with the risks. Uh, Most people have heard of Murphy's Law, but most people actually do not know how Murphy's Law came about. Murphy's Law is a a phrase that came up when they were testing the ejector seats on jets. They, They were doing test programs for this, and it is like the only experimental program that had no fatalities. And mind you, this is, they are having a rocket sled... Uh, going at like close to the speed of sound and then launching the participant up into the air with an ejector seat, and there was no fatality. So, that should tell you these guys knew what they were doing. And the way they did it was by when they looked at it, they asked themselves, What can go wrong? We need to plan for every contingency and have a plan for everything that can go wrong. And by doing so, they were never caught off guard. They knew all the risks. They had a plan for all of them. And that's how they could make it through the program with no fatalities.
0: Yes, ex- exactly. That's actually something that I did not know. Thank you for sharing that, Chris. Uh, I
1: think I think Today I Found Out did a beautiful episode on it. Uh, Simon Whistler did it. It may have been Business Blaze. It may have been Today I Found Out or one of his numerous channels. But I highly recommend uh, YouTubing and finding uh, Simon Whistler... Uh, Murphy's Law and watching the video, he does a much better job of explaining it than I do.
0: All right, awesome. Awesome. A little shout-out there. Again, the the main point of this episode of what we're doing is we, we brought it home, making sure that you know what the danger is and what are the proper steps to actually make sure that danger does not happen to you. We have a saying in uh, a lot of uh, the makerspaces spaces. You know, respect the tool and it will respect you. That's what my dad has always taught me. If you respect the tool, then it will work with you. If you abuse the tool, it will abuse you. That, that, that is a good one.
1: But yeah, but just be, be very mindful of the dangers. Be aware of the dangers. Be communicative. Talk. No one is a mind meter. So talk to them. Walk through the process. My my partner in metal casting. We have done so many metal castings, uh, but the final metal cast of the evening, I went to do it as I had always done it, but he went to do it the way he wanted to do it, and there was just that miscommunication, and the pour didn't go exactly as planned. There was some splashing. We had set up a zone so the splashing wasn't that big of a deal. But it's a great example of even if you've done something a million times with someone, it's still a good idea to talk it through before you do it. Because when you're doing something dangerous, it only takes a moment for things to go wrong.
0: And how wrong they can possibly go is absolutely uncanny.
1: But luckily with this, we kind of knew each other well enough that the miscommunication just was, okay, we spilled a little bit, but again, we already had a concrete block to catch the, the spillage. We had stuff to catch spillage, but when you had done, like, got like a hundred ingots with someone and you had never spilled and all of a sudden you have a spiller, you're like, oh, I should have had the talk before we did it. Why is it the one time I don't do the talk is the time it does it? And that's exactly the point. The one time I didn't do the safety talk beforehand is the one time something went wrong.
0: Exactly. And frankly, another reason, and this is uh, mostly... You know work related but it's also in the hobby realm is in order to be considered to practice uh, whatever craft you're doing to be safe you know, it's also frankly a lot of paperwork on the insurance side if something were to go wrong
1: <laughs> although you reminded me something uh matt and i were talking about this uh yesterday In in the maker community, you're at the space, and you'll see people doing stuff, and your first inclination is, I want to do that too. But sometimes you need to remember, just because you see them do it and it looks easy, you're not seeing the hours of practice that they put in, the hours of research they put in. Me doing the metal casting, I had to put in over 100 hours of research even before I touched any of the equipment. And then, of course, after I touched it, I learned things and spent more time doing research. Things are usually not as straightforward as they seem, and it's important to actually do the research and know what you're doing. And always remember, you don't know what you don't know, which is why it's good to reach out to people who do know what they're doing. Like in the case of Matt, that's why Matt's in the woodshop, is if you have questions, he's more than willing to answer them. But sometimes you'll see him do something, and you think it's, oh, all I have to do is cut it like this, and then you go to do it, and you realize, okay, there's more to it than this.
0: Yes, exactly. And so far, we've only talked about one aspect of safety, and that's basically the approach and the action. We haven't even touched bases on PPE, or uh, if any of our listeners don't know what that means, it's personal protective equipment.
1: So when it comes to that type of protection, engineering is your first step. If you can engineer a way to keep yourself safe, that is the the preference. The second is administration. How you do something can change whether it's safe or not. And your last resort should be PPE. Like, let's take fumes for a great example. If you have access to a fume hood and you're doing something that generates fume, do it in a fume hood. That is an engineering control. It is designed to keep you safe. And at that point, you don't have to worry about the fumes because the hood worries about them for you. The administration control part is only do that work in the hood, but if you don't have access to a hood, make sure you have proper ventilation. Wear a p- appropriate respirator. When you're doing resin work, a dust mask is not an appropriate mask to protect you from the fumes.
0: Right, and another example again, myself going back to woodworking. The proper PPE that a woodworker would typically wear would be safety goggles, or something that will protect your eyes from penetration of any flying wood chips. And and let's also give a shout-out to hearing protection, which is often an overlooked protection. These
1: equipments make a lot of noise. When you're using them, they make even more noise. And I have a father who is hard of hearing, because hearing protection is very important, and your ears do not regenerate. So, do not forget hearing protection. Hearing protection is just as important.
0: This is very true. I always wear my safety goggles and earmuffs whenever I'm working around the saws. And actually, to kind of further that, I also have a dad that has a little bit of hearing loss. Maybe not as bad as your dad. He actually advises... Always wear hearing protection because of how much uh, hearing he's lost in his ear. There was one time where I was in the garage. I was doing some. I can't remember. if I think I was sanding. I was using the, the belt sander and just doing some sanding with uh, a piece that I was doing. Uh, smoothing it out and rounding out the corners and such. I was at the sander for a good five, seven minutes. I turned it off, and then I suddenly hear some ringing. I, I hear that the ringing in your ear when your-, your eardrum has been exposed to a lot of constant loud noise. So y- you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's called tinnitus. Yes. I started hearing it, and thankfully it went away. But it made me remember, yeah, I need to be wearing protective hearing when I'm doing this. So the next time that I had to be at the belt sander or anything else that had x amount of decibels uh for consistently long period of time i now make sure i wear protective hearing because of that and i don't want to lose any more hearing than i've already have lost which hopefully isn't much
1: and you know for me because like i spent 11 hours on the cnc yesterday cutting up foam I I put on the hearing protection, and what I did is I put my, my earbud in, and then I put the earmuffs over it, and that way I could hear my music better as I'm sitting there on the CNC. So not only do I not hear the buzzing of the CNC and the vacuum and everything getting cut, I'm actually able to hear my music
0: better. That is an interesting uh, personal preference. I, I typically would not have earbuds while I would not be listening to music that closely to my ear while operating machinery but that is my own personal preference
1: well also in my defense it was the cnc not the bandsaw not not the equipment where i'm physically interacting with it it's the the equipment i was supervising
0: right right and that is a cnc is a different type of tool that requires a its own set of safety procedures unlike a, a welding machine or a a metal or wood lathe kind of thing. So CNC and three D printing, they they are kind of in their own category of safety. They they do overlap some, but it's not a one for one ratio on a safety protocol.
1: I was still sitting there, wearing my mask, wearing my safety goggles, wearing my ear protection, while operating the CNC. I'm like, I just need to make a stormtrooper helmet at this point to, to operate the wood shop.
0: Yes, exactly. And okay. And another thing about safety and this, uh, this one is casually overlooked, but it really does make a big difference in safety organization, the organization of where you have your tools versus where are the clear designated areas of walking and maneuvering and working would you agree chris that those are also big factors in safety oh huge
1: huge because it's not just where the tools are but making sure that you have walking paths making sure that there's no obstructions. I'm sure I am not the only one. We've all had projects where you're working, you got to reach for something, it gets tangled up in something else and you pull on it and it pulls all your other tools and you just end up getting more frustrated because everything's falling apart. And that was because of poor organization skills. And we, we've all done it. And even the best of us are guilty of it at some point. Because again, at a certain point, you start to lose your priorities. You start rearranging them where the project... Getting the project done becomes a higher priority than your safety, the tool's safety, and and the project safety. You, you just start prioritizing getting it done. And that's when you start prioritizing getting it done at all costs, that's a good clue that you should walk away.
0: Exactly. I couldn't agree more. First off, bottom line, everything should have its, its home. That's the way you make it. An organized shop is a happy shop. And when you need to use something, take it out of its home and use it. If you need to use it again, it doesn't necessarily need to go back to that space immediately. If you need to use it, if you're using it, put it aside. And if you need to use it in five more minutes, you know exactly where it is. But at the end of the day, when you are done with that item, it is best to put it back into its home. And that is mainly... Just for the sake of you, know, you remembering of oh gosh where did I put that hammer? You're not fumbling around and accidentally knocking it down without even knowing, and then possibly either kicking it or tripping over it. Accidents can happen that way, and it's really it can be potentially be really bad if it. If it happens.
1: And on, on organization, remember time is also a resource you must manage. You should always factor 50% more time than you think it's going to take to do your project because you have to remember you have the setup. Again, I recommend always putting a, uh, a dry run through just to make sure you're doing it safely. Factor in moments where you're going to pause your work to reorganize your, your workspace, to keep it organized, and then clean up afterwards. And if you find yourself going, well, I don't have time to do all that stuff, maybe you don't have time to do the project safely then.
0: Yes. And mainly, what, at least uh, from what I observe and from my own personal experience, you do have the time to make those provisions of doing a dry run, having time to clean up afterwards, which, by the way, cleaning up afterwards is another layer of safety, uh, if not for you. For the next person who uses the space. It's just mainly planning ahead.
1: That almost sounds like it should be another episode altogether. Planning ahead.
0: Planning ahead. You're right. Maybe it should. All all of these topics that we've touched base on. It, it all is under the umbrella of safety. It's not just respecting a machine. It's also really respecting yourself. Respecting the people around you. Being mindful of what... Could possibly happen if you're not paying attention, or if mm. if you're not doing something that is feels comfortable or natural. As far as when you're doing something, if something if something in the back of your mind is saying, "Are you sure you want to do this?" That is probably giant red flag saying. When when you do D and D, and you're about to do something, and the GM says,
1: "Are you sure?" That's the <laughs> GM telling you that's not a good idea.
0: <laughs> yes that that is actually the, the I, I approve that example as as somebody who uh has uh dived into D.
1: because i i have been that gm are you sure
0: the only difference is when the gm says that and the player goes yes it's your character that just uh takes the fall for it in this scenario you take the fall for it
1: i have to amend my rules because the first rule is you your safety is priority the second rule is everybody around you safety then the equipment and then your project
0: yes exactly and that is uh pretty much it as far as i'm concerned like we we've touched basis on a lot of key points i will put the disclaimer though if you want to further into uh safely what you are doing you're doing it safely consult with a either a professional or somebody who you trust that would know what to do don't just take our word for it you know, we're we're just uh two two guys that decided to say hey want to do a podcast
1: and, and one thing i will say because i i i'm there are dangers in the world dangers shouldn't stop you from exploring dangers should simply be you need to be aware of the dangers so you can make an informed decision. Not being aware of the dangers is where you can get into trouble. Most accidents, like most accidents are slip, trips, and falls. And that's what most industrial accidents are, slip, trips, and falls. And most of us would be, slip, trips, and falls, that's not dangerous. And this, this is like one of the leading causes of death in our country, is slip, trips, and falls. And that's, they didn't assess the risks of what they were doing. They didn't think about... You know, oh, let's walk the path first and find out, oh, there's some slip ice, so maybe I shouldn't be in a hurry in this section. Uh, it's the un-o- the dangers you aren't aware of that are going to be the ones to bite you in the butt.
0: Exactly. Well, Chris, I think uh, we have uh, talked our listeners ear off enough about safety. I know we could probably go on further, but I think we've uh, hit this message home. I agree. As we're closing out, I, yeah, I think I've like doing this i i know i i said a quote in our uh last episode and i think i want to keep doing that but uh, instead of a quote i want to uh repeat a uh, little poster that i kept seeing on one of a job that i worked for uh it pretty much encompasses what uh, we've been talking about the quote is no safety that's k-n-o-w no injury and that's n-o injury Or, no safety, N-O, safety, no injury, K-N-O-W, injury. I think that pretty much sums it up. Yep. Oh, before I forget, I give that the invitation. We want to hear from you. So, you can email us at keepmakingforward at com. It could be anything. If you have any questions, if you have any suggestions, we're open to it all. Until we meet again, keep making forward. This has been the Making Forward podcast, starring Daniel Torres and Chris Shaw. Produced by me, Jason Vilches. Make sure to email us any comments or questions at keepmakingforward at gmail.com. Consider rating and reviewing us wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Keep making forward.